Today I'm going to talk about uh, following Jesus to friendship. Loneliness is a huge problem in our world today. And you can actually be alone and not feel lonely. It's possible because of a relationship with Jesus. Good morning, I'm Pastor Adam. I'm one of our pastors here. Our senior pastor, my dad, is in Nashville right now. I'm sorry, he's at an undisclosed location. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's funny every time I say it. I just like to keep saying it. He's at an undisclosed location um, because my niece uh, graduated high school. So he, he, my mom went down there to uh, be with family. So that's always good. Um, today, yeah, we're talking about following Jesus to friendship. We're in a series called Follow Me. We've talked about following J Jesus is not just believing. Believing is the first step, but we need to, to follow him. That's the rest of our lives. We don't stop doing that. We want to follow Jesus into not picking and choosing. My dad preached about that last week. We want to follow Jesus into rest. My wife preached about that a couple weeks ago. And we have to follow Jesus into a really long journey. Those are the things we've been talking about, but today it's following Jesus into a relationship, into friendship. Will we follow him to friendship? When I talk about the Surgeon General of the United States, what issues do you think he often talks about? Like, like you've seen the Surgeon General's warning on things. There's things like, like the opioid epidemic. Yeah, the Surgeon General talks about that. Cigarettes, obesity, alcohol while pregnant, suicide, substance abuse, marijuana, COVID-19, obviously. And loneliness. Did you know loneliness is an epidemic according to the Surgeon General of the United States? Dr. Vivek H. Murthy, our Surgeon General, says that loneliness is an epidemic in America today. And that was before the COVID. It's only gotten worse. This is actually a medical issue. You can Google, Google uh, the loneliness pandemic and pages of search results will show up of, of uh, studies that show that loneliness is actually a medical issue. Pre-pandemic, over 40% of America's admitted, Americans admitted to feeling significantly lonely. It's not just sadness. There's significant evidence that this issue of mental health literally is killing us. Scientific reports summarize that loneliness is as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness has outpaced obesity, one study found. Loneliness has outpaced obesity as an early predictor of death. In 2012, in a 10-year study with 1,500 participants, those that reported feeling lonely, significant feelings of loneliness, had uh, significant uh, increased rates of declining mobility, difficult, difficulty in performing routine daily activities, and death within the six years of follow-up. Loneliness is a big deal. So let me ask you do, you, do you feel lonely? There's actually people that can be in a room filled with people like this. You might feel lonely right now, still. Even though there's people around you, you don't feel a connection, so there's still a sense of loneliness. Maybe you've put yourself out there and you've been rejected a few times. So you've just decided, 
It's okay. It's, but it's easier to just not have a relationship. I don't need to connect. I don't need to be vulnerable. Maybe you're just not that trusting of a person, just in general. And you say you prefer to be a loner. You prefer to, you know, it's just how I am. I just want to, okay. But if you're honest, deep down, you may still admit that you just feel a little bit lonely. Maybe you had to close down ungodly relationships. The Bible says that, that, um, that we need to be careful who our friends are, be careful who we're spending time with. Maybe you've had to cut off some relationships to honor Jesus, and that's left you feeling lonely. My big idea today is, is you could be alone and not feel alone. Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples never felt alone. Even if you are, you never have to feel alone. And this was a big deal to Jesus. In, in the, in the, like right after the, the, the Last Supper, right, Jesus had some time. He's about to be arrested. He's about to go die on the cross and come back to life. But before that, this is basically his last sermon with just his guys, just his closest friends, just his disciples. And we're going to look at some things he talks about with this idea, he, he doesn't want his disciples to feel alone. Here it is in John 15. If you have your Bible, you can flip to John 15. We're going to be in John 15 for most of the points today. John chapter 15. Verse 15. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. See, it would be an honor for us to be the, the soldiers of God. And are we that? Yeah. Yeah. But what's a soldier do? They take an order. And, and they do it. Are we that? Are we the soldiers of God? God tells us what to do and we do it? Yes. That's true. And that, that's such an honor to be a soldier of God. But that's not all we are. Soldiers just get told what to do. And then they go do it, you know, like, like TV. That's an order. But what Jesus is saying is here, here is, I, I no longer call you servants. I no longer just, I'm no longer just going to be giving you orders and telling you what to do and, you, you know, you don't have enough clearance. I've ex everything I've known from the Father, I've now made known to you. So you're not my servants anymore. You're going to be my friends. You now know the classified information. You now know my heart. So now we're soldiers in God's army, but not just soldiers that follow the order. We're soldiers that know the intent of the mission. We're brought into God's plans, and he calls us his friend. You see, our, our, a very common uh, thought of what God is and what Jesus wants to be is, you know, he, he's, the, he's the big man upstairs, or he's, he's the great almighty. He's He's, um, you know, there's truth to those. He's, he's the big guy with the great big beard who strikes you with lightning. That's, there's not much truth on that one. And is Jesus king? Yes. Is he sovereign? Yes. Does he want to be your friend? Yes. It's true at the same time. And his last chance before he's arrested, his last opportunity to talk with his disciples, it's the last thing that, that Jesus, before he's crucified and, and comes back to life, the last thing he gets to say is, hey, 
I'm bringing you in. You're my friends. And disciples of Jesus today can be friends of God. If you follow Jesus, you are a friend of God. He wants to bring you into relationship. So that begs the question, what kind of friend is Jesus? Just what kind of friend is Jesus? If you're taking notes, you can write these down or you follow along on mynewhope.in. Number one, Jesus is a friend that gives. Jesus is a friend that gives. He's very generous. Right after Jesus said, you're my friends, in verse 15, in the very next verse, Jesus continued in verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What kind of friend is Jesus? Jesus is a friend that gives. There's a story of um, Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5 So Simon Peter was a fisherman, and he was out fishing all night, and he hadn't caught anything. And Jesus says, hey, flip your nets over the other side. Just try again. And, well, we're going to show a video in just a second. This video is a clip from a great TV series that everybody should watch called The Chosen. It portrays Jesus and his disciples in a very real way, and this is one of my favorite clips of this very story in Luke chapter 5. Let's play it. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Jesus made all these fish come into their nets. They were astonished. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, it says, they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. There it is. They followed, they followed Jesus. I just wonder if Peter, maybe, or Simon at the time, maybe Simon turned to Andrew and was like, man, what a generous guy. Look at all this fish. Jesus, I need a friend like that. I had, a, my, my, I had an uncle who... Um, who, uh, his, his daughter, my cousin, said, said, yeah, there's this guy in my church who plays saxophone, and he's like, anything you need, he's like, he's got it. It's like, you mentioned, like, boy, like, we're going on vacation. It'd be nice to have an RV. Oh, I got one. And he just, like, hands you the keys. How many want a friend like that? <laughs> like, anything you need. Like, oh, sure, yeah, I got it. I, I, I got two of those. That's cool. Jesus is a very generous friend. And people followed him. Out of that generosity, Peter realized he had to have a friend like this. And today, Jesus is generous. He's still a friend that gives. He gives love. He gives forgiveness. He's generous with his time, with his mercy, with freedom. Are you happy that Jesus is generous with you? You messed up again? I have more grace. 
Again? I have more patience, he says. I have more patience. You're in bondage? I can give you freedom. He's very generous. Jesus is a friend that gives. But here's the question. Will you receive what he wants to give? That's the question. Will you receive what he wants to give? He wants to give all sorts of things to all of us. But we have to receive it. We can't receive it. If we're, if we're hanging on to, to worry and anxiety with clenched fists, we'll never receive the freedom he wants to give us. Will we receive what he wants to give? Here's the second thing, the second um, thing of, of what kind of friend is Jesus. Here's number two. Jesus is a friend that empathizes. Jesus is a friend that empathizes. We've not seen much empathy in the past few years in America, have we? Seems, uh, seems that if there's a disagreement. Just think of the disagreements you've heard about COVID or masks or BLM. Just think about that, the election cycle. When someone struggles or thinks differently, too many, too many of us are now inclined to say, what's your problem? Get over it. That's not been my experience, so you're an idiot. Or maybe you've had a well-meaning friend who tried to comfort you when you were in a hard time, but they didn't know what you were going through, so they said all the wrong things. Have you ever experienced that? Like, they're trying to be nice, but it's like, shut up. You don't know what I'm going through. We do not have a friend like that in Jesus. Jesus is a friend that empathizes and he understands us. He's never going to say, why don't you just get over it? What he's going to say, he's going to put his arm around you, and he's going to say, come alongside me. I know exactly how you feel. John 15, verse 18, Jesus told his disciples in this final sermon he had, he said, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. The writer of Hebrews talks about this, Hebrews chapter 4. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended, ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest, it's talking about Jesus again, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach, everybody say approach. Let us then approach God's throne in grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need help in our time of need. The implication there is it's okay to need help. It's okay to not be okay. But what do we do? We should be running to Jesus. He understands. He's our friend that does not say, let's get over it. I didn't experience that. He's been tempted in every way and conquered it. Amen. That's what Jesus does, just, I imagine. He might not have been able to do it with his long robe. Would have been like, you get it. Jesus understands how to help us in our hard times because he learned how to walk through the pain with his father. And that's, that's the trick. You know, as Christians, we will have hard times. 
but will never be alone. And Jesus had the hard times and did it. He did it. He walked through the hard times with his father. And so when we're in hard times, he says, hey, I can show you how to do that. Here's the question. Here's the question. Because we have a, a high priest that's able to empathize with our every needs, we have confidence in approaching God. So that's the question. Will we approach God and receive that empathy? Will you approach him and receive that empathy? We need to approach him and say, I'm tired of my addiction. I'm tired of my bondage. I'm tired of my unbelief. And trust that he can empathize with us. When we receive that, we can go on and receive the healing that we need. Here's the third thing of, of what kind of friend is Jesus. Number three, Jesus is a friend that'll tell you how it is. Jesus is a friend that'll tell you how it is. You have a friend that'll tell you how it is. I'm surrounded by him. My, my daughter likes to have like, I love you competitions. I say, I love you, Elizabeth. And she says, I love you more. And I say, no, I love you more. She says, I love you to the moon. I say, I love you to Pluto. She says, I love you to Pluto, I'm back. And I'm like, trick question, it's not a planet. Did you hear about Pluto? It's, it's messed up what they did to Pluto. Is it, is it a planet? They kept going back and forth. I, I don't know, okay. Depends what book you read. And so, so I'm, I'm, looking, I'm having this conversation with my daughter. I love you more, I love you more, I love you more. And then when I get just close enough, she doesn't hesitate to go, ah! Slap my face and say, get your breath away from me. You need to brush your teeth, Dad. I'm like, oh, does it smell like coffee? Uh-huh. She'll just tell me the way it is. Just this past week, my son said, why do we have to go home for dinner? And I said, because I'm a good cook. And he said, no. I got some friends that tell me the way it is. My wife even is a friend that tells me the way it is. I come home and I say, hello, dear. And I, I just take a step towards her and she says, oh, go take a shower. What'd you do today? Run? You smell bad. <laughs> Anybody have a friend that'll tell you the way it is? It's not a good friend. That's a good friend. That's a good friend. A good friend will tell you, hey, you got some broccoli in your teeth. A bad friend will be like, and let you. Let you walk around all day with broccoli in your teeth. Jesus is a friend that will tell you how it is because he loves you. Yep. If you have broccoli sticking out of the crevices of your heart, he's going to tell you the way it is. Yep. Hey, 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 I got to tell you the way it is. That's not supposed to be there. When we read the Bible, he will point things out to us. See, John, John 15, 14, in this last sermon that Jesus had, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. It's not conditional, like, oh, you didn't do, okay, you're not my friend anymore. It's characterization. What's a friend of God look like? Well, they're the people that, that obey him. Right. That, that, that's, that's what a friend of God looks like. If you're not obeying God, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be your friend anymore. It just means you're not behaving like a friend of God. Yeah. So behave like a friend of God. You are my friends if you do what I command. He's saying, you're going to show me that you want to be my friend when you actually follow me. When you actually follow me. So when we read our Bible, Jesus will point, Jesus our friend will point things out to us. 
be like, hey, no, mm-mm. that's not how the way it's supposed to be. That's not how it's going to go. We, we don't live that way. Jesus, our friend, as we read the Bible, Jesus, our friend, will say, check your attitude. When we pray, Jesus, our friend, will say, don't do that. That's not the right move. When we pray, Jesus, our friend, will say, or when we're reading our Bible, he'll say, he'll say do you see how I blessed the guard that was trying to arrest me? Don't you go retaliate. Do what I, follow me. Do you see how I blessed the guard that was trying to arrest me? Do you see that? You go bless your enemy. Do you see how I forgave the people who killed me? You got to go forgive that person. Do you see how I turned the other cheek? Turn yours. Don't go into that battle. So here's the question. Will we humble ourselves and allow Jesus to be the kind of friend that helps us grow and be stronger? Will we humble ourselves and allow Jesus to be the kind of friend that helps us grow and be stronger? He'll tell you the way it is, but you don't have to listen. You can just ignore God. We can arrogantly assume that our, that our MO and our status quo is right. But if there's a disagreement between you and God, um, you're wrong every time. Just no two ways about it. You're just wrong. Let's allow Jesus to be the kind of friend that can tell us how it is. Here's number four. What kind of friend is Jesus? Number four, Jesus is a friend that loves to the end. He literally loved us to death. In this last sermon Jesus had with his disciples uh, after the Last Supper, in John 15, verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. It's the greatest love. And that's exactly what he did. He died for us. Jesus is a friend that loves to the end. His love for each of us is so great. There's a verse in the Bible that describes God's love for us as being beyond our understanding. doesn't mean we can't understand it. It means you'll spend the rest of your life and you still don't fully understand it. That's how much God loves us. It is so great. And so what? We receive, if we're able to receive God's love, what do we do with it? Yay, I have God's love. You carry it around all day? I don't think that's the purpose. That's not what I see in Scripture. We receive a blessing so that we can be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. So when we receive God's love, we pass it on. Because you know what? You're not going to run empty. God has plenty. Like I want to take the love bucket that God fills up and put a hole in it. And just kind of everywhere I go, just the love of God is dripping. I can let it out. I have plenty. God, thank you, God. Thank you. I receive your love. And I can bless others and love others because God's love comes into my life. Jesus is a friend that loves to the very end. So here's the question. Will you follow Jesus to love others? Will you follow Jesus to love others? There's a lot of people who are angry and bitter You know somebody like that? Just angry and bitter people. Hey, love is the answer. 
The love of God is the answer. How are they going to experience it? How, who's going to carry it? Us. If you know somebody angry and bitter, there's no politician that will solve their problem. No politician now or ever later will solve that person's anger and bitterness. The only thing that will solve that anger and bitterness is the love of Jesus. And it's our job to carry it. So let's receive the love of Jesus and follow him into loving to the end. It's what he did. So it's what we get to do too. Here's the fifth thing. Jesus is a friend that sticks close. Jesus is a friend that sticks close. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, Solomon wrote, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think Solomon had prophetic insight. Like, like there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is in the Old Testament. King Solomon was referring to the Messiah who will stick closer to us than a brother. You can have friends, but there is a friend, singular, that sticks closer to you than a brother. He's the friend that wants to come close to you, knowing full well all of your dirty little secrets. He still wants to come close to you. So here's the question. Will you allow him to be close? Will you allow him to be close? If we're going to follow Jesus into friendship, we have to realize that friendship requires closeness. We need an encounter with Jesus. See, when, when Jesus was in the, in the tomb, his disciples felt lonely. They felt like they were without Jesus. And when Jesus came back alive and he, he showed up in the, in, in the upper room to show himself to the disciples, he didn't point to his teachings and said, see, I'm alive. He pointed to his hands. He pointed to his side. He said, look, <laughs> that's really me. I'm alive. Let's not replace the principles of Christianity with the person of Jesus. Don't replace the person with principles. We need a relationship with God. We can't have a relationship with a principle. Doctrine does not save you. Jesus does. He is the author of the doctrine. And when you, when you hear people talk about doctrine, 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 good, good, good. It helps us understand our faith. But if those people do not also talk about the author of the doctrine, that's probably potentially crooked. That's not balanced. Jesus is the author of the doctrine. What good is doctrine without Jesus? The doctrine doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. The person of Jesus saves you. The doctrine is just principles that help us understand what Jesus said and the way he saves us and the way salvation works. If you replace the person with principles or doctrine, you may lose your passion. And the longer we go with our beliefs, you know, the, the subtitle of this, you know, it's follow me because be just believing isn't enough. 
The longer we go in just believing the doctrine and the principles, the greater the chances that we lose our best friend. We lose a relationship. Christianity is about a relationship. And we need to embrace the simplicity of having a friend in Jesus. It's possible. We can be alone without feeling it. We can be alone and not feel lonely because Jesus never leaves us. He's the friend we need. Would you stand with me? You're a friend of Jesus if you put your faith in him. And that simply means you admit that you're a a sinner. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect. And you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. He paid the penalty for you. We all deserve separation from God. We all deserve to die a spiritual death. Uh, But Jesus did not, and he died for us. So we can put our faith in him, and when we receive Jesus in that, we're receiving the gift that that he gave us of salvation. And our, our spirit inside will come alive, and we can begin to follow Jesus. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance right now. I'm going to count on the count of three. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you're like, yeah, I need him. I need him to save me. Both on the online chat and here in the room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise it nice and high. If you've never received Jesus, you want to. Amen. Lord, I pray for the hands that are up. We realize we're sinners. We believe that you died for us. We want to follow you. We accept you and receive you into our hearts. Help us walk with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Believing alone is not enough. We have to follow. We have to follow. And I believe a lot of us in this room may need a touch from the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch your people. Wherever we need, Lord, I pray that you would just reach down and touch our needs and our hearts, Lord. Do a miracle.